hi and welcome to the second edition of Colour Fit Chat. Apologies, my voice is a little harsh today. It's the shock and excitement of going to the top of the championship yesterday. I'm delighted to say we've managed to bag another genuine heavyweight this week in the form of Professor Damien Hughes, AKA The Liquid Thinker. Now I'm a full on conference geek and Damien is right up there with my favorite presenters. He's obviously incredibly knowledgeable, but he's also been surrounded by elite athletes and coaches pretty much his entire life, even from boyhood. And that has left him with an array of engaging and funny stories. And if you follow him on Twitter, you'll know he's uh, fond of the odd gag. Reading through Damien's bio has left me with a severe inferiority complex. He's a professor of psychology at Man Met. He's written several best-selling books, including Liquid Thinker, Five Steps and the recent Barcelona Way. And he's also part of the coaching team for Scottish Rugby Union and Canberra Raiders. Please, if you think you can add value to any of the topics covered tonight, please leave a comment and then it's going to make it an even better resource. And it's a reason we go to the trouble of sending out the questions on the Tuesday, the day before the chat goes out on the Wednesday. Also, we'll invite open questions at the end. So if you want to ask Damien anything, use the hashtag ColourFitChat or tag at LiquidThinker and then Damien will see your questions and be able to respond in a timely manner. Okay, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, my name is Damien Hughes. I'm a professor of organisational psychology and change, as well as being the author of a number of books around those topics. I'm also lucky enough to have worked in elite sport for a number of years, predominantly helping coaches to create high-performing cultures. So the first question that people often ask is, are there any behaviours that are common to high-performing cultures? It's a great question, and I prefer to um, look at that from a different angle that every culture tends to be unique so the way I often work with teams is to get them to answer a simple question that I dub success leaves clues what does success leave clues means is you start by looking at a culture when things are going really well and start with the premise of what are the behaviors that are consistently present when things tend to go well because one of my favorite definitions of a high-performing team is that everyone has a good day and everyone has a bad day but the best teams, the gap between the best and worst day is narrower than everybody else's. So by starting from the first question of what success looks like, you start to get a benchmark which everything else can be measured against. So I'll give you an example that I did a book last year called The Barcelona Way, which looks at how FC Barcelona had done this. And they answered the question and came up with three very distinct bit trademark behaviours that defined their culture. One was humility, which was the idea of coming in and being prepared to listen to other people in order to get better. Two was hard work. So this was about how much you invested in your talent and came in and did extras. And then the third one was putting the team above your own self-interest. So if there was ever a clash between what was right for you and what was right for the team, choose the team option. So a really nice way that they demonstrated it was that they used to have somebody that sat on the substitutes bench and just used to have a look at who were the players that weren't picked that were cheering on their teammates and who were the ones that were sulking. Because that was a behaviour that indicated that because they weren't on the team, they were putting their own self-interest above the teams. So every team will have its, its own trademark behaviour. So there are no, there are no common behaviours. It will be unique to every individual team. Question number two that I'm often asked is, how do you identify the type of culture that you have? 
And this is a really good question because there is no one type of culture. What we know is, the research indicates, there are often five types. You can have a star culture, which is about recruiting the most talented people you can afford. You can have an autocratic culture, which is about one or two people setting the tone. You can have a bureaucratic culture, which is around middle management tending to decide things via rules and regulations, policies and procedures. The fourth type is an engineering culture, which is about just relying on people with a high level of skills. But the most effective type of culture is what we refer to as a commitment culture. And a commitment culture has a really clear set of trademark behaviours that people regard as the most important aspects. So my challenge to you would be, what, are the, what is the type of culture that you currently have? And more importantly, what's the type of culture that you want to develop? Another question I'm often asked is, what are the attributes of great coaches that allow them to create these high-performing cultures? I would say that there are a couple of them that really stand out for me. And the main one, I would describe it as emotional intelligence. What do I mean by that? Well, I met a great boxing coach many years ago called Emmanuel Stewart. That when we spoke about boxers, he stopped me and said, I don't work with boxers, I work with men that just happen to box. And that was a really neat illustration for me of how he understood that this was about human beings. We work with humans first and sports people secondly, which is a nice way of describing the emotional intelligence that he brought to his work. He was concentrated on making people feel special. He was interested in them. He invested in them as people. And once they had that commitment and that trust and engagement, then he could start to coach them to be better fighters. Another characteristic that I've seen from great coaches, though, is that they're also great storytellers. And the reason storytelling works is because it taps into a concept called the Kolmogorov complexity. Now, it's named after a Russian psychologist, but the Kolmogorov complexity says that if I tell you a story, you'll remember it far more um, effectively than if I just give you stats and facts and figures. So the best coaches will often be great anecdotalists. It seems like they're just telling you stories and it's only later when you step away and realise that they've been coaching you in what it is they want you to improve on. Now I'm looking forward to the Twitter chat later on this evening. Now Tom was asking me um, what my best joke was because um, when I go on uh, Twitter um, I like to share either articles I've read or some... Um, some quotes that I might be reading or researching, but I also try and share some of the jokes that I hear. So he asked me what my favourite joke was, and the one um, I posted it last summer was, uh, I said that um, my friends had asked me if I wanted to go camping, so I decided to make a list of things that I needed, and the number one on that list was new friends. So if you are interested in changing the culture of a team or an organisation that you work with, how should you go about doing it? Well, one important element of this process is to identify your cultural architects. Now, this is a phrase originally used by the Norwegian psychologist called Willy Raleo. These are your leaders without title. These are the people that are just identified with the standards and the cultural behaviours that you really do want. And they're prepared to uphold them and challenge and defend them, even when nobody else is watching. Now, cultural architects often emerge on one or two criteria, social or technical. They're either really good at their job and when they speak, people listen to them and they carry credibility, 
or they're charismatic, gregarious type of characters that when they speak, people naturally warm to and follow. Now, you don't need a whole dressing room to buy into a culture, but you do need this core group of people to defend it. So there's a great example from the research at Barcelona that I, was, that I did for the book The Barcelona Way, where when Pep Guardiola came in, he identified five guys, including the likes of Carlos Puyol, who was his captain, and Xavi and Iniesta, people that had grown up in the ranks of Barcelona and identified with this idea of humility, hard work and team first. And he gave them permission to go and just uphold the standards. And there's a fabulous example of it when they're beating Real Numancia once, um, 7-0. And after the fifth goal goes in, a youth academy graduate, Thiago, goes away and, go, and does an outlandish celebration. Puyol comes over and just gives him a gentle clip round the ear and admonishes it and sends him back to the halfway line. But after the game, he comes out in the press conference and issues an apology to the opposition players. And he explains it. It's not because beating them 7-0, because he said we wanted to score as many as we could. But he apologises for betraying the behaviour of humility. He said, that's not what we stand for at this club. Now, that's just a really subtle, quick example of what a cultural architect does. But what you find is if you can get them on board, it accelerates the process of getting people to buy into the culture that you want so much quicker. So a massive thanks goes out to Damien for sharing his insights into culture and leadership with us. I'd highly recommend reading his uh, several books where he expands upon these principles. And for culture, I'd also recommend reading a book called Legacy. I think most of us realise how important culture is, but we don't really do enough to affect it. For me, the key is educating our athletes and then getting them to set the behaviours and the objective targets that we want to reach. For example, this year, we wanted to really improve our maximal leg strength training. So we talked to the players about the forces that are involved in lots of footballing actions and though if you don't reach these adequate thresholds within your strength training, then there's no point in even doing the exercises. So. We talked to them about it and then we set targets within the training sessions and we use things like leaderboards and what that has led to is pretty much the same program is reaping us far better results this season. So thanks very much for tuning in. You can catch the full episodes on Colourfit Insta and YouTube and you can also catch it on the Colourfit Chat podcast.